Welcome to Starman's Podcast. My name is Tony Montana. Oh, shit, you started. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> what are we talking about today? I'm not ready. I'm ready. <clears throat> You're ready. I'm ready. We're going to talk about our first requested topic, which is the Cryonics Institute. Requested by one of our fans. Our biggest fan, perhaps. <laughs> Probably our biggest fan. My sister. No, you're not supposed to spoil it. I'm going to spoil it. She's my sister. You're supposed to keep it a mystery. No. You're going to make it sound like we have a lot of fans. I mean, Um, we do. By one of our many fans, we have selected out of a hat of thousands of requests. That's wrong. That's a lie. Remember um, how you said we weren't going to lie on this anymore? Did did we actually say that? (laughs) We did agree on that. that. I agreed on it. Well, um... Welcome back to Starman's Podcast. My name is Anthony. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Just cut everything we just said previously out. (laughs) Oh my god. Honestly, we should. No. No. Not going to. Okay. Well, it's going to be a bitch to edit. So anyways, we're going to talk about cryonics today and what it is. And there's really not too much on it, minus like the culty aspect of it. But Um, it's an interesting topic to talk about. Is cryonics different than like cryogenesis? Like Star Trek cryo cryoness, like getting frozen to death or whatever, frozen mm, alive. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm interested to see how that differs. Yes. No, it is it is different. It's about, you know, it's it's essentially a belief of what people think of what happens in the you know, after we die. And there's a hope that maybe someday we'll be able to reincarnate, essentially. So So that's what this institute is basically all about. And there's a couple of them all over the world. And I talk mostly about one. And then I found the second one. And I kind of dabbled that in. And then another type of other shit that I found that is interesting. Another type of other shit. Another type of other shit in body preservation in that world. So that's kind of what we'll be talking about. Okay, you ready? Okay, let's go. Yeah, I'm ready. What is it? So the Cryonics Institute in Michigan was created off the concept that was introduced in 1962 by the founder Robert Edinger. He wrote a book called The Prospect of Immortality. The entire book and the concept is quoted as, when I read the reviews, as out there and followed only by the enthusiasts that truly believe in it. So if you look up this book, actually, um, it only has 10 reviews on Amazon. Oh, great. (laughs) So we're talking like tinfoil hat following. Yeah, some good, some bad. Okay. Um, if you go to the Cryonics website, the PDF version is actually free for viewing. So the reviews that oh, are okay. positive say that Dr. Robert is ahead of our time and he has eye-opening prospects and ideology. And these aren't just like little reviews. Like the people who write the positive ones are like paragraphs, like longer than what this, longer than my notes sometimes. It's like goes and goes and goes and goes and then like max out the text. And I'm like, what the actual this is shit? Like, this is like textbook definition of like pyramid <laughs> scheme. There's like one person that says something so crazy and has enough facts in it to like make you believe it mm. to the point where you go like ape shit crazy. Like this is fucking Jesus. <laughs> I can see why people would believe in it, but it's. I think is there's a, there's a massive level of uncertainty out there, and you'll see when I get further into it, right. and that's why most people don't do it. So, right? Are we calling this episode "Cryonics Debunked"? Or? No, not necessarily, because <clears throat> it just—it's one of those. It just is what it is. It just—it's this, and then there's a hope. That's it. Okay. So, 
not debunked. It's there is a 50-50 shot. Some people believe in it, you don't. It's that's it. All right. So, back to the website. According to it, cryonics is a visionary concept like Actually, I'm going to go back. This is when you go to the Michigan Cryonics Institute website, the first thing it pops us is like this massive quote. It's like boom, boom. And you're like, what the fuck? And it says cryonics is a visionary concept that holds out the promise of a second chance at life with renewed health, vitality and youth. Sounds kind of religion-y to me. Sounds a little culty. Um, it, but it's like right in your face. So, okay. So essentially what is cryonics? Um, cryonics is the process of cooling a very recently deceased body using liquid nitrogen and other chemicals to preserve it and then essentially halt the decaying process where it is in its tracks. Okay. So far the facts check out. Right. Fr- freezing something does, <clears throat> well, I wouldn't say it, it slows the decay. It halts it, but I go into more on the science of, wow. <laughs> This actually, well, you said debunked earlier. It can be a little bit. There is some research that kind of goes against the process that they use using the types of chemicals they use. Okay. Because you can try and halt the process, but what's the damage that you're doing to the cells when you try and reincarnate? You can preserve a body in salt. Right. And that would, you know. But it wouldn't halt the process. This is halting the process of a recently decayed. It has to be recent, too. That's key. So. Well, yeah. Okay. So the goal is to preserve the body so that in the future, science might be able to, might be able to catch up and repair, replace, or vitalize or revitalize the tissues and then ultimately revive the deceased person. Okay, yeah. So this is like the the Walt Disney thing. This is the whole purpose of cryonics. This method is also performed so the brain, the memories, and the nervous system remain intact, keeping you, quote-unquote, as you. Right. So, interestingly enough, dying is not just an event, but an entire process. We all know this. There's levels of decay. There's levels of dying. You know, rigor, vigor, mortis, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Those at the Cryonics Institute do not consider death as a finite, irreversible state. Though, obviously, there's a limit. The liquid nitrogen itself needs to preserve the body before the majority of cells and tissues die. And when I say majority, like, before, like, 90% of them die. So if it's not recent enough, mm-hmm. and if you're not ready to preserve that body, right, you'd you're, have to fucking die in a fucking vat of. You would have to die nitrogen. and be like immediately transported over, or you would have to die in a, in a cooled container, immediately shut down and like to a freezer, and then within less than twenty four hours transported over. Right. So most of these tissues, if you catch them in time, remain intact for a time. After the heart stops beating, or at the time of death, which makes sense because you still have blood and you still have. Um, ATP in your body not everything dies like that it's not turning a light switch off your metabolic process has to die as we slowly lose oxygen over time yeah the less time that has passed the more chance of a future physician has a chance at revival so this entire institute is based off the idea that we will have to develop and uh, or develop this reparative technology in biology medicine computers and more but it's a huge gamble and we have no idea if this is even viable or possible even though science has some positive steps for repairing the body from a cryogenic state. We just don't know. It's never been done. We're just hoping that people, when they go into this and they get preserved, then they can come back, and then we can Mm -hmm. figure out a way to either, one, repair the tissues, or two, maybe transplant the brain and the memories of you into a viable body or Right. I mean, ideally, if it were me, I'd want to transplant the brain to, uh, what do you call that? Not a shuttle, uh, um, 
a I, vessel. Yeah, essentially, it could be as it could it's be robotic. It could be right as it, as they're de- quote unquote dead, and then revive them in a new body. You know what I mean? Like revive. We talk the about that too, and then they do. Um, they do just do head. Um, basically, it's I think it's called a neuro. They're neuro patients, is what they're called. Right. And we talk about that a little bit in wouldn't, a little. Wouldn't bit. that be fucking crazy if you died? And then you were, you preserved your brain, and the next memory you have is waking up in a younger body, and they're like, "Hey, it's like three th- the year three thousand five hundred, you know right. what I mean?" And you're like, "What? Like what the fuck?" And then they're like, "Oh yeah, you didn't go to heaven or hell. You just you know kind of died, and here you are now." Mm. And to you, your perspective of it, you'd be dead and then immediately alive. Right. It'd That's just your be perspective a boop, of boop. it. Yeah, because when you fall when you fall asleep, you just like shut your eyes. Most people don't. That's I mean, scary. sometimes you can like remember your dreams, but a lot of the time there's a big it's a time lapse. Right, but if you're dead, there's nothing to dream about. Right. You're well, that's why comas black. are terrifying because you just close your eyes one day, or you like get in an accident and you black out, and then you wake up and it could be seven and a half months later, and you have been right. in a bed the entire time. Yeah, you have like no recollection of it. Right. Or whatever. Yeah. Nothing. You just open your eyes back up if you live. So. So anyways, so um, a lot of the hope for this technology for to repair and revive people is in nanotech and advancements in bio. Um, we have created implants, devices, cellular replacements, and then more parts, or I'm sorry, more items to repair parts of the human body when or before it falls or even after. Mm-hmm. Um, and this also includes 3D printing, which has come a huge, huge way, which is actually really cool. Um, we can three, 3d print replacement heart valves, like in bones and all sorts of other crazy shit Yeah, that's like personalized and dedicated to you, but utilizing nanotechnology as well, we can do the same thing. We've utilized nanotech in hearts. We've used it in bones. We can create prosthetics. Um, we can computerize them. So a lot of these have been printed to prolong life itself, but also it only makes sense that we could continue to prolong or continue to increase our life expectancy via this, or potentially utilize these after. Right. So a lot of different ways. Can um, I pause you for a second yeah. and give you? I think I might have talked about this on the podcast. Maybe not. But there's a um, there is a not riddle, but a like perplexing thought experiment, right? Where you ask the question. Okay, so let's say you 3D print a biological uh, toe, right? Like a big toe. And you replace your toe with this other toe. And it's one-for-one identical. Are you talking about phantom limb? No, totally unrelated. It's a whole thought experiment. Mm -hmm. So you replace your toe, right? It's your toe. Now Now it's your toe. It's working. It's fully functioning, okay? We'll do the same thing with your leg, right? Let's say you create an entire leg and you replace it. Are you still you? It's like, yeah, you are because your leg is just. Uh, no, I went the wrong direction. I'm like, no, that's not my cells. That's not th- something that was created by me, my bone marrow. Well, let's say that science was so advanced that you could. <clears throat> you could, like, take, take some of your. Take a piece of my bone marrow and grow, <clears throat> and grow a, new, a leg. new leg. Yeah. Then, yeah, that's you. Okay. If it comes from your DNA, yes. Now you do it with both legs. And then you sure. do it with your pelvis and your torso you know, and we've... your spine and your arms and your tor- like. When do you when do you go? Okay, I'm no longer me. Is it your brain? Because that's what most people would say. 
I don't know. We replace, we slough off like all of our red blood cells and a lot of our skin cells over like a seven year cycle. Right. But I'm just so, saying like at what point do you say that you're no longer you anymore? I don't know. I think most people would say, well, once you replace the brain, you're no longer like in your body. Like it's someone else. Well, if you replace the brain, you can't recover those synapses that created those long-term memories that are stored deep in there. Those right. go away. That's but hypo- hypothetically, let's say you could. You could create like a tiny little sliver of your brain and just replace that tiny little sliver. And you're like, okay, you check out, check, you know, you check out, everything's good. You still have all your memories. And then you do it again with another tiny sliver of your brain. Hmm. And you just keep going until you've got your whole brain if it's, prepared. I mean, if it's your DNA and it's coming from you, it's still you. So then where's the soul? You know what I mean? Like, where is, there, is right? Is it, if, uh, I mean, if you're creating perfect clones, perfect replicas with no falsities and no anything wrong, then it's you. Right. If you're saying this is picture perfect, you're going to, in there, you're going to have your innate intelligence in there as well. So it's going to be you. But obviously, that's not how that works. There's always mistakes. There's always chances for error. Right, I'm just saying, like, as a hypothetical thought experiment. Right. Let's say you could create just a tiny <clears throat> sliver of your brain that replicates the same neurons right. that fire, you know, and you just keep doing that over and over again. I still have the same answer. Yeah. It's just crazy to think about. And this this whole cryon, cryon, cryonics, cryonics um, thing reminds me of that. Like, you know, when you die, like, if you could repair the cells and come back, are you actually the same person or are you, like, a different it depends on how you died too that's a huge thing that a lot of these people aren't considering like Mm -hmm. did you die from a heart attack did you have peripheral vascular disease did you have a stroke was it trauma was it a stabbing was it a gunshot did your heart just suddenly stop like did you bleed out like there's all these different variants so Mm -hmm. Mm. so anyways i guess we're going back are you done Oh, yeah, that's it. I just this reminds me so much of that like thought experiment. And it really makes me wonder, like, at what point does cryo? I mean, if this actually works in the future, you know, is it actually going to be you? Who knows? So going back to nanotechnology, um, this is an entire branch of science for those who don't know that is technology, but it's in the scale of nanometers. And for reference, an average human hair is about one million nanometers wide right so we're talking about like tiny tiny very close to basically literal if yes if not single cell the field includes human biology but it also expands into agriculture botany food production genetics even epidemiology which is a study of diseases and their pathways why do i always think epidemiology is the study of the skin because it's epidermis yeah dermis epidermis always get that okay anyway sorry no, we're exploring um, plant and human gene editing to eliminate and replace unwanted genes and human characteristics currently. Um, I actually personally believe this is kind of a slippery slope in morality and judgment. Like, where's the line that we draw on unwanted characteristics? Like, is it autism, Down syndrome, or does it come down to obesity, heart disease? Like, they have already successfully used nanoparticles to edit gene- uh, genetics in the liver to reduce blood cholesterol. So where are we going to stop like when it comes down to it? Like, are we just going to try and create perfect humans? Right. And I'll be replicants. Creepy, slippery slope. When I was reading this, I was like, so, okay, cool. Yeah, that's really cool. But if you're like trying to edit our DNA and our genes, like who's perfect? 
Mm-hmm. Nobody. Everyone has things right. wrong. You'd so. like to think like, oh, let's just stop at like, oh, create the hu- create a human that is incapable of having cancer and like right. diabetes and all that. But then but they're like, like, let's make them beautiful. Let's right. make them strong. Let's we, make them yeah, functional. Why can't we make them have perfect skin? And like, let's while we're make at them it. to jump into outer space and be, you know, radiation resistant. Yeah, yeah. And then it just mm. never stops. No, it doesn't. A fucking so uh, it's Captain sketchy America situation. Right. <laughs> We have we have also in recent studies successfully turned off genes in the bone marrow for treatment in various heart disease, stem cell deficiencies, and even cancers, which is kind of cool. Whoa, that's crazy. Um, so that's the positive part of it. Um, disease, they've been utilizing nanotech for disease detection, like early onset detection. Um, they're these devices that they're creating are engineered to be highly sensitive. So with this level of sensitivity, we can de- uh, detect early biomarkers and very quickly, and we could honestly start treatment for these patients who have this much earlier. What this means in the future for a lot of healthcare industries, which if you're in America, this isn't good. It means cheaper cost of treatment, less lives lost, and eventually detecting a disease and changing it before it has the chance to go systemic or symptomatic in patients. Mm. We like to treat diseases because it's very profitable in america we don't like to prevent them so right treating a disease is way way more more profitable profitable. than if you were to just cure it right and it's sad but i'm glad this is starting to emerge and we're starting to actually be ethical in our medical field so in cancer treatments nanotech has been utilized in targeting chemo to only the cancer cells and again early detection it's actually really fucking cool So when you have chemo, you actually, you don't just blast like the cancer cells, you're blasting your entire body with this awful toxic drug. Right. So if they can... radiation. No, chemo. Radiation's different. Oh, okay. Chemo's the chemical injection. It goes systemically and it goes after cancer cells, but it also can really affect the rest of your body. So what is chemo radiation? Radiation is where they, they basically put a focused beam of radiation over like targeted cells yeah a a concentrated area and a lot of the time they'll go in and they'll put a mesh wire container like say you have cervical cancer they're going to put a mesh bad term but cage around the cervix and then that they attack it or attack that area or if you have lymph in your pec area and you have breast cancer then they're going to go in they're going to put a little mesh target right there and that's what they radiate and yes, you're gonna get the you're gonna get the cancer, but you're gonna damage the cells around it as well in the back behind because we're stacked, <clears throat> right. of course. Yeah, yeah. So essentially, it's a blasting and then a whole body effect. So chemo, if you can just get it to target where the bad cells are only and have less systemic effects, it would be way more effective. It would be almost a hundred percent effective. I have a dumb question. Why are you raising your hand? Because I have a question. <laughs> Hello. Uh, excuse me. Um, yes. Mister um, Anthony, what in the do, back row. What is the main purpose of using radiation therapy? Is it to just blast through the skin to get to the like? Because it has the penetrating. It penetrates ability? and it kills. It like shatters the cells out. It's just like. Okay. No, you know how question. radiation is damaging to the body, but it's yeah. focused. Yeah. So it really just. But it also doesn't, and it doesn't like we we don't know when we get blasts of radiation. <laughs> we don't know. Right. You know, we walked next to fucking Chernobyl and most people didn't know. Right. But if you can focus it, target it into a cancerous cell and really get it narrowed down and you can attack the cell. And again, you're going to hit the shit behind it. But if you can focus it, then it's beneficial at a safe level. Right. Safe level. Quote, unquote. Yeah. Uh, another question? Um, yes, Dr. Mr. Moody? Toronto in the back row. Uh, yes. Um, 
So what's stopping us from like, I don't know, oh, you have like a tumor on your leg. We cut open your leg and like spread open the skin and we like take a piece of like lead film and like shove it behind the cancer cell and just fucking nuke it with radiation and then like take that thing out, stitch you back up. And the only thing, only part of your body that's been hit by radiation is the cancer. So in that scenario, which is not a good scenario for what you're trying to say, is you could also argue that why wouldn't we just take out the cancer itself and cut it out? Instead of putting someone through radiation. Well, that's what I mean is like what what's the purpose of radiation? If it's the penetrating ability, why don't we just fucking like. Sometimes surgeries aren't possible to remove. Sometimes it is an entire area and there's a lot of nerves and tissues in that area that if we go in and surgically remove, then you're just going to start to lose function. Oh, okay. Like. Again, with breast cancer, your brachial plexus, which innervates your entire upper extremity, your arm and into your chest, mm-hmm. comes out the side of your neck, dives under your first rib, your pec, between your scalene muscles and your neck as well, and then branches out on the side of your arm. So if you have four lymph nodes right here and they're entwined in your brachial plexus, and you say you're a chiropractor, you know, it's kind of like Jeremy's situation, my best friend who has cancer, he's a chiropractor, his multiple lymph nodes entwined in nerves. And they've been trying chemo and radiation first because if they go in and start hacking those away, when you have cancer, you can't just take the cancer that's there. A lot of the time you need to take cells and more tissues around it because it's expansive. So you're just saying basically the human body is way more complex than what I'm giving credit to. Yeah, there's... <laughs> it's not it's, that it's, simple. No, it's not that simple. And every case is extremely unique. So right. radiation is... We hope with, we can do a less invasive... Um, non-surgical procedure, even though sometimes people do radiation to shrink the cells and focus it down it, and then they'll go in and take it out. Okay. So it's just, it's all applicable. Like, I'm not an oncologist. I just know the such, like, I'm skimming the fucking surface. Mm-hmm. That's, like, really, like, <laughs> scraping the top of the ice cream off and then tossing it, like, but that's essentially. You an oncologist on the podcast and pick their brain. That'd be cool. That would be cool. Hey, are you an oncologist listening to Starman's podcast? <laughs> Stop. Email us. <laughs> this is such an off-topic rabbit hole. Can we go back? Like we're, we're talking about cryonics. I'm dude. sorry. Yeah, yeah. Go, go, go. Like what the fuck? Okay, <laughs> let's go back to the cryonics institute. Um, currently, Jesus, fucking, 200 patients are in a stable and secure cryonic suspension. This includes the founder Robert and his family. So they believe in a two-stage plan. Essentially, one, place the deanimated patient in a cryogenic state. Two, reanimate the patient and potentially revitalize the body with a younger, healthier host, which is still unknown. Right. That's it. Just talked about. This is it. This is their fucking game plan. All right. Good game plan. Dumb. Okay. So let's start with some (laughs) of the myths um, believed about cryonics. Um, Patients are frozen. Patients are not frozen, but they're actually put through a process called vitrification which is over 60% of the water in your body is replaced with a protective chemical to prevent freezing and ice crystal formation at cryonic temperatures, which is negative 124 degrees Celsius. Right. Um, just a friendly reminder, um, water freezes at zero degrees Celsius. Very cool. So right. if you put a human body at negative 124, 
you'd just be a fucking icicle. Literally. 80% of you would be an icicle. And the whole goal is to prevent that because right. that's where you get t- uh, cellular damage. Yeah. So the goal is to slow the molecular metabolism to a standstill and suspend the tissues in their original state without damage. So that's one. Sure. Good luck with that. Right. The belief that long-term or long-time dead can be revived. Um, the patients need to be preserved promptly after death with a specific and scientific process, essentially to suspend them. We don't know if we can revive them. Right. More myths um, that cryonics can't work. The argument that can go both ways is that there has not been one successful revival of a patient, yet there has not been one successful cryonics loss either. So they believe that the Institute and future science will overcome and they'll prevail, but even though it kind of seems like an extremist belief. Right. So there is a massive, massive lack of support in the physician and scientist community, providing further judgment and hesitation with no credible successful cases. If a person goes into a cryonic state after death, what do they have to lose? It's a constant back and forth between the lack of evidence, the extreme beliefs, and the unknown. And also, like, you're not hurting anyone. If they want to be in a cryonic state, you're not hurting anybody. Right. It's not hurting anybody if it's consent, so. Sure. Well, it's just like an organ donor. Right. You're not fucking hurting an organ donor. Right. So at the Cryonics Institute in Michigan. I just had a thought. We could use cryonics um, for organ doning, organ donors. That would be cool. That would be a cool application. Right? Like not bring people back to life because that's kind of unreasonable. Maybe to like store like, you know, livers for a long time. You could store and then ship them. Yeah. To yeah. The people who need them because a lot of the time you're on a wait list and you have like a day. Yeah. You have like so much time. Before. Not much. Yeah. And then they have these really like they're in jobs and dedicated to transporting organs and stuff. It's crazy. Yeah. I could, I could get behind that. Right. Um, another myth is a frozen head preservation. Though the Cryonics <laughs> right. Institute don't doesn't do it, there's another institute that does. Um, the Walt Disney Institute, <laughs> Alcor Life Extension Foundation. They do what it's called neuropreservation or head only preservation. Sure. Um, so essentially, and then I started diving into the Alcor Institute as well. Um, the more I seem to research, the more I find that Alcor and Cryonics Institute are almost identical. They believe that burying or creating bodies is a waste and that in a hundred years, quote unquote, we can heal these preserved corpses. One woman, Linda Chamberlain, who works in Alcor, walks by her eight-year-old deceased husband every single day. She has full conversations with him, visits him and his 170 other roommates every what single day. This is quote unquote from an interview. She believes that they will be revived and reunited one day. Her job at the Institute is to sell the preservation at a whopping $220,000. Not, she doesn't do any future research. I want these people who are listening to understand this is not a research facility. Right, they're hoping someone else will do it. Exactly. It's solely (laughs) preservation only. Right. It's like the Svalbard Svalbard Seed Vault. Sure. Which we should talk about as a topic. I wouldn't mind doing that. (gasps) So to be a neuro patient and preserve your head, it's actually a little bit cheaper and it's only 80K. Oh, yeah. Only 80,000. Sign me up. <laughs> right. All right. So let's get reasonable. So besides the doubt, what's the major downfall with cryonics? The brain. Uh, yeah. It is highly debated whether the process and ex- the process is extremely damaging to the brain itself. Being stored at sub-zero in liquid nitrogen and antifreeze, essentially. It's not necessarily antifreeze directly, but close uh chemical chemically 
Um, this could decay your neurons and essentially destroy the integrity of the brain itself. Ken Hayworth, a scientist who was part of the Alcor Foundation, left to go to the Brain Preservation Foundation. He's a huge skeptical. He had high hopes, essentially, with the Alcor Foundation and cryonics, but he pushes the cryonic scientists to prove that they can preserve without damaging the, the long-term memory centers of the brain through the proof of synaptic activity. So he thinks that if we were to revive someone, there'd be no synaptic activity between the neurons, which means the electrical connection, which is basically how our neurons talk to each other. Mm-hmm. That's the junction where our neurons, which are those building blocks of our brain, they talk to each other. They send neurotransmitters, send information across at beyond lightning speed, beyond like well, it is speed, speed of, of light. fucking crazy. Yeah. Isn't it like actually the speed of light? It's that or yeah. It's a, it's almost as fast as you can go. It might be slightly less, but it's very fast. So like our, it's, oh my God, our brain is so fucking cool. Like I step on your toe and it's the pathway it takes from me, like pounding on your foot to go up to you realizing it has to go back down and then back up for you to have a mental reaction. And then you go back down to simulate your foot to kick away and move. And then you have to have the pain sensation coming back up. It's just, oh, it's crazy. So, and then pain, well, pain comes first because it's on the fastest nerve pathways, the A or C, and they're myelinated, so they're fatty, so it goes way faster. It skips over the nerve itself, so you don't have to go junction, junction, junction. It just goes right across. Okay, anyways. And if you're adrenaline, your brain has a way of delaying that pain. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. If you're, like, adrenaline, like, if you have a severe, like, if you chopped your foot off instantly, you wouldn't feel it for, like, a lot of people. Like ten seconds. Well, a lot of people get shot. They don't know they've been shot. Right. They're like, "Ooh, what was that?" Right. And, and then they're like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> right. And then it hits them quite a ways later. So. Right. Um. Anyways. Crazy. Right. Going back to Ken, he has. Um, again, they. He doesn't believe that they, these cryonics brains are able to have their long-term memory held intact. Which is fair. Right. They can't, and he states that they can't or even truly begin to meet the bare minimum requirements of this. Instead, they actually found a high number of dead neurons in the hippocampus, which is um, the long-term, essentially where your long-term memory is stored. Mm-hmm. So when they examined these chronic, cryogenic brains, essentially, they found a lot of dead brain cells. So it's Wouldn't not it be good. be cool if uh, they could, like, reset, though? Like, once you like kill you a lose... nerve, you don't, get, you don't get a neuron back. Once it's gone, it's gone. Oh, okay. Well, that's why when people say nerve damage, like time is brain. When you stroke out and you lose blood supply to your side of your brain, the longer you go without oxygen or the longer you're bleeding out and the higher the pressure on that brain is, the more cells die. And the things that you don't get, those things you don't get back. How you get a lot of the function back is you actually, your brain is so smart, it can reroute around the dead tissue. Assuming it's Mm -hmm. only a little bit. Yeah. And assuming we can accommodate. It's very circumstantial situations but that's why they say when you're having a stroke time is brain you you get your ass to the hospital as fast as humanly possible because the damage is essentially essentially irreversible Mm -hmm. so so interestingly enough at the brain preservation institute they were able to preserve the synapses across the entire brain of a pig but by different means so there's a catch to this they use what's called gluteraldehyde which is an embalming fluid, so we all know formaldehyde, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. 
The problem with this is that that means the brain can never be revived. Um, the other problem is, is that the aldehyde stabilizing um, cryopreservation needs to be conducted while the patient is alive, and it's a death sentence, essentially. It'll kill you. Right. But it allows you to... It, it Basically, instead of, like, destroying the brain through cold, it just stops everything, freezes it, but doesn't kill it. So you can go in at a later date and extract the information. Right. So when you go into the glutaraldehyde, it essentially glues all the proteins in the brain together. And in this case, it pervert, preserves the information in the brain but not necessarily the essence of life itself. So again, what, what this means is we can take an aldehyde-preserved body and recreate the person's mind in the future. In theory. In theory. The thought is to take these memories and the experiences and extract, upload them into a new space, allowing the patient to live on as a simulation or a bot, you know, <laughs> essentially a head Discord transplant. bot. <laughs> right, like, um, what are those bio fucking, whatever, bio bot shits, um, uh, Autobots? No, it's just like... Uh, nah, it doesn't matter. It's not an Autobot. <laughs> no, it's not fucking Transformer. Autobots, rollouts, a Transformer. Um, yeah. Yeah, can it be reincarnated as a Transformer, please? Uh, please, yeah. I want to be a fucking truck. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's... Well, yeah, no. So, it's kind of amazing that we've actually studied the brain for decades, and we truly only understand, like, a fraction of it. It's going to take thousands of years before we can dissect the brain, piece it back together, and ensure that when we piece it back together, that you're still you at the end of it. It's truly beyond our imagination, and it's not just like it's going to take us hundreds of years to achieve. This is something that we may not see in perpetual lifetimes ahead of us because it's so complex and it's so expansive. Right. I actually think AI will beat us to the punch on that. Probably. I, well, it makes sense. It's good at recognizing like patterns, and it's good at recognizing... It, it can see the brain act and create a neural network around that. We can't right. fucking do that. It's way too much information for a human to wrap their head around. I guess it's just a bio-robot. But. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's really it on the Cryonics Institute. We suspend bodies. Or they suspend. Not we. <laughs> right. You pay money. You die. You suspend. And you wait and hope. It literally sounds like a... Not what's not not a Ponzi scheme, but like um, not a pyramid scheme either. No, it sounds like kind of sketchy. Like, hey, um, how about you pay me a shit ton of money and I'll like freeze you, right? But I'm not gonna invest any of my time into it. Maybe right. someone hopefully will, and who's, then we'll be ready. Maybe we'll see. And who's the physician that's gonna <laughs> revive you? Are you gonna? So you're paying for the preservation. How are you gonna pay for your body to be revived when you've been dead for decades? Do you still have retirement money? No, you left that to your kids in your will. Right. Or you left that to someone and it's gone. So at best, or it's America and they take it out of your bank and just hold. Right. So when at, you're dead. at best, <laughs> if America's still a thing when you're revived, <laughs> at best, you'll be a experiment. At, at, at best. Not at best, but at best it, wor at best it works. Uh, yeah. at, at minimum, you're definitely an experiment. Yeah, there's no doubt that this is... This is... Ugh. Whatever, consent. <laughs> if you're um, okay with being dissected, picked apart potentially one day in, in hopes that you may come back, fine. Whatever. So Bye. now the question becomes, money aside, would you do it? No. 
Just fucking throw my ashes to the mountains. I probably wouldn't do it either. That's scary. No, put my ashes to the mountains. I don't, don't want to come back to this shitty fucking right. world. I don't want to die and then instantly, like, wake up, like, a hundred years in the future to, like, none of my friends, none of my no, family. to like, be alone. An, an experiment, like, something could go horribly wrong. You could have, like, half your memories. Like, who fucking knows? Dude? Right, no. It's Hell scary. No. I don't want to be now, in if we this proved, world. If we prove that it could work. Like we're like, oh, we can do this. Like this is a thing. We can. It's repeatable, and we've done it many times. I might consider it. No, I wouldn't do for it for some reason. I still wouldn't do it. I don't want to come back. Not as this. <clears throat> I want to come back as like a tree or something happy. An ant. <laughs> I would. I'd like to be an ant, please. <laughs> um, you're a wizard, Harry. I'm a what? I'm a what? A what? Yeah. Uh, no, I wouldn't do it. No, thank you. Sorry. If you believe in it, cool. Again, it's just a lot of hope and a lot of cock it's not really something. It's not really something you can believe in. It's something that, like... It's a hope. It's a certainty. It's a hope. And it's like a 20% uh. success certainty <laughs> at, at best. We're looking like point zero 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 like four, like the infective rate of COVID. No, wait, that's the death rate of COVID. I don't know. Eek! I mean, if, you, if you could preserve someone and prove... Oh my god. If you could if you could preserve someone and prove that you're doing it in a way that's reversible in some sort of way, then I'd say the success rate would be 20 or higher percent. But if you're just like We haven't even tried this yet. If you're like fingers crossed, hopefully this doesn't fuck them up. Yeah, then it's like 0. 0.000001. They've already 000 found 000 dead neurons in those patients. Right. And the only pig one that was quote unquote successful that you mentioned was what you said they basically cryogenically preserved it like while it was living so they killed it essentially <laughs> they f- essentially they injected it with aldehyde and it's essentially like um euthanasia it just f- and then they like instantly brought it back to life they're like we did it no they didn't bring it back to life no when you'd use the aldehyde it's not it's non-reversible the whole point in them utilizing that is that they can extract the information the synapses are preserved Oh, so they're quote unquote dead, but like the they're dead, never coming back. But the proteins and everything is frozen in space, so where you can go in, they can put an electrical conduction through in the brain, have it map it. It's alive, it's good, but that's the only way. But it's non, you can't come back because the aldehyde's basically a glue that's like fusing everything. It's lead. You can still extract information from it, but you can't unfreeze what it's done without damage. So. You know, it would be something that I actually wouldn't mind doing is if you did that process and had some sort of like virtual reality memory generator. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, hey, here's, hey, uh, your, your great, great, great grandfather, Anthony Toronto is dead, but you can kind of go back to his life and see some of his memories in the cloud. You know in what I mean? <laughs> he just, he died horribly from a, aldehyde injection to the brain but now his memories are preserved and we can replay those to you that'd be kind of cool but i think that's maybe like the most practical that's the only practical application application. of this well they're they're trying to extract your soul and essentially your memories and place those memories in something else and hope that that's enough that's the thought they should really pivot this to organ doning i think that would actually really be a good idea we have to pivot it's time to pivot. pivot pivot All right. Well, that's the episode. If you guys have any suggestions for future episodes, give us a shout on Instagram or our, our Podcast or our 
gmail at starmanspodcast at gmail.com or visit us at starmans.live or join us on patreon please join us on patreon that would be superb welcome back to starman's podcast my name is Kristen. Mm. august moody i'm rowan today. you're rowan i'm rowan you're rowan toasted michael. acorn rowan michael moody <laughs> Rowan Michael Moody and my toasted egg guard. Doku. Okay. See you guys next time. Yeah. Do you know? I kind of want to do the Svalbard yes, Seed Vault. So I guess that's our teaser. The Svalbard Seed Svalbard. Vault. Svalbard. Will you stop? <laughs> that was my Rowan impression. <laughs> and that's also Rowan. That's Rowan. That's my baby boy. That's my baby boy. <laughs> the Svalbard <laughs> Seed Vault. Cool. Me- and say goodbye to Rowan. Say bye-bye, Rowan. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>